First John chapter 4 this morning, uh, recently all throughout the summer and maybe even a little bit of the spring, uh, I, spent some, uh, I spent some time talking about what the Bible says about what it means to be a Christian, what the, not, not what the world says, but what the Bible says, and also we've been looking at what it means to go into the world and make disciples by looking at examples throughout the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, trying to learn what the Spirit of God would do in the hearts and minds of the people who are believers, trying to figure out how that works and how that might actually work in our world today as we go into the world and make disciples and and be obedient to the command to make disciples, if you remember. And a lot of it had to do with the Holy Spirit and His leading right? A lot of it has to do with our submission to him and our obedience to the word of God working together. And a lot of it has to do with the truth being the truth and all of its authority having its way in the world, right? And some of y'all are sitting back like, well, you just summarized the whole summer's worth of preaching. How come we sat here for hours? (laughs) I've done that because it seems like we're changing gears here, but we're really not. We're really not changing gears. We're just moving to another portion of the word this morning because I wanted, I, I, I felt like we needed to talk about this topic today because it has everything to do with what we're trying to do when we follow the Spirit of God. As the Spirit of God is active in our life, as the blood of Christ washes away our sins, as we are forgiven, as we are believers in the world and we're growing spiritually, we're becoming uh, more and more like Him every day, we're repenting every day, we're praising him every day, we're serving him every day, we're calling on him in our times of need every day, and we are basically being the witness in the world. It, doesn't that sound easy? <laughs> when you say it that way, it just sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yet there's so much that comes along with it, as including the persecution that we have uh, been warned about and maybe even felt our own selves in our own lives to some degree and witnessed in the book of Acts and throughout the world since then how the gospel and the truth, the truth of the gospel is always under fire and always under attack. And how do we deal with it? How do we survive it? And why is it even worth it? Right? You ever think about that? Why, what's this all about? What's it, what, what, why is this even worth it? Right? Well, the question that we have to ask ourselves Don't ask your neighbor. Your neighbor in the Lord will take care of that answer. Ask yourself. Ask the Lord to reveal to you because you will most likely lie to yourself. Do you believe that you are a loving person? Do you believe that you are a person of love? Seems like a simple question. And it seems like a question that every believer would sit back and say, well, yeah, I love people. I love God. I don't know the answer to that for you. I don't even know if I completely know the answer to that for me unless I get with the Lord and let him get real with me. Because I know that once I say to God, expose myself to me because I want to know if I'm really loving people. I want to know if I really love you. Right? And you want to talk about some intimidating prayers some dangerous type prayers. And I mean, when you ask information from God, 
he's certainly going to give you an answer, right? And I think sometimes we don't talk to God about certain things like that because we don't really want to know the answer. Because what if the answer is not quite, not as much as you think? Or you're doing, it could be that, yeah, you're doing a great job. I think it might be a little bit of both for most of us. There's always something to improve on, isn't there, when it comes to loving people? Because you and I both know that there's people in this world that are just hard to love. That's a, that's a fact. You can say amen. And here's why I know it's a fact, because I'm one of those people sometimes. Sometimes I can be hard to love because I'm acting a fool. Right? And sometimes I'm an extra grace needed person because I don't know how to act right. Because I don't know how to love others sometimes. And sometimes you're the same way. Sometimes there's people in the world that don't love God and they're all, all they are is against God and they're hard to love because it's, it's hard to know how to love them. Because everything in us that's uh, of God, which is holy, is, would be against that which is wicked and evil. So we, in our minds, we're saying, okay, if since we're against that, then we have to hate that. Then, then we got to go talk to God about, okay, what do we, how do we sort that out? I just want to remind you this morning about what we know about our Lord, about God, about who he is. Right? Because that's the key to the entire Christian walk, the entire Christian witness, the entire uh, endeavor to go and make disciples. You cannot make disciples if you don't love people. You're not going to preach somebody into salvation. You're not going to quote scripture to somebody and make them be saved. You're not going to condemn them with a pointy finger and say you are a sinner and you're going to hell and make them get saved. But you can love someone to the point where they surrender to him who is love. Hello? That was a moment of enlightenment for us all, right? It's like, oh, of course. And it seems like it's easy because if we look around the room right here in this building, we can, I think we can honestly say that we love each other. We look around the room and see all the people in here and we're like, yeah, I love all these people. I'm having no problem loving these people. One amen. Come on, y'all. Maybe that'll change by the time we get done this morning. <laughs> but when we're looking into the community, we can find a large number of people that we're like, mm, I don't know about that dude or that lady or that family. Not that we don't like people or hate those people, it's just they're not like us. Or it's obvious that they don't live the way we live. Or they do things different or live a, a certain way. Or maybe they're looking at us the same way. And I don't know about you, but if somebody looks at me sideways, I tend to react by looking at them sideways. I can do that better than almost anybody. What? Right? You just get that look. It's like, what? Start bowing up. What? That's what we do. That's what, that's what men do anyway. Ladies have a whole other way of doing it. It's our reaction. It's a natural reaction for us. We have, to, we have to have some ability to love people, and it doesn't come from our own effort. Right? For those of you who are married, you can look at your uh, spouse and say that I had to 
I, I initially loved this person, but then I had to learn along the way some different ways of loving that person because we grow together and we learn. See, that's what young people trip me out. They, I was one of them. We, we, we're like fall in love and like, ooh, I want to spend the rest of my life with that person. And then the honeymoon's over, right? At some point, it's all over and y'all are living together and it's like, mm, he'll never pick up his socks. I mean, this is right there. The hamper's right over there. Just put it in there. How hard is that? And I'm not even going to get down the road of, of change, exchanging complaints, but it's hard, isn't it? It becomes hard to love each other in the way that God would have us love each other. It's an effort. We have to work hard at it. As we read our scripture this morning in 1 John chapter 4, I want, you, I want to see, first off, God doesn't have to work hard at loving you. Okay, so whatever, if anybody's got anything in their mind that says that they're so bad of a person that they are, they, that God requires extra attention on them, that's a false understanding of God. Okay, God loves you. Big fat holy period at the end of that sentence. God loves you, no matter what you think, say, or do. Or no matter what anybody else in this world would ever say about that, God loves you. And if you, if, you, if, some, if, you can't, if you're one of those people that cannot receive that, then you, you need to pray about this until you get set free. Because there's nothing in existence that would counteract that statement. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if you believe in Jesus or not. God still loves you. It doesn't matter if you're saved or not. God still loves you doesn't matter if you're the wickedest person ever created and living in the planet Earth. God still loves that person. Here's why. Dear friends, let us love one another. Verse 7 of chapter 4 in 1 John. Dear friends, let us love one, one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Who, uh, verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because what? Here it is. God is love. And if, you, if you're one of those people that write in your Bible, like I do, I would circle the word is. It doesn't say God loves. It says God is love. It's not what he does. It's who he is. That's his, love is his existence. It's his very being. It's his holy DNA, so to speak. If we, could, if we had the ability to break God down in his molecular form, if there was such a thing, we would find nothing but love. So because God is love, you can never prove that he doesn't love you. So let's just start right there and just dismiss the fact that God doesn't love you and accept the fact that God does love you. In fact, you can go on ahead and believe that God loves you the most. And God loves me the most. Well, how does that work? Because he's God. His love is endless. There's no bottom to it. There's no end to it. There's no beginning and end. You cannot find the edges of God's love because it's his being. It's who he is. 
Gen- I think it's Genesis chapter 1 teaches us that when God created man, he created man in his image. So guess what that means, y'all? If we're created in the image of God, then we must be created to also be loved. Yeah? You want to make disciples? You want to be obedient to the gospel? You want to be obedient to our Savior? You want to go out and, and, and preach the gospel and live the gospel and you want people to actually get saved, genuinely receive this love? Then you have to have this love in you. That's why we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why in John, the Gospel of John, we see where our Savior was talking to our Father, and he says, Lord, I just want uh, all these people to be one with me as I am with you. And if he is loved, then the prayer is that we would be loved also. I think last week we talked about... uh, Ananias and Sapphira and we talk about uh, the greatest commandment was to love God and to love people kind of stuff and it seems like there's two different commandments there two different instructions there but it's really one isn't it because of what it says he says dear friends let us love one another love each other because love comes from God okay and everyone who look love who, who Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is where we struggle with society. We struggle within the church about this, right? Because everybody that I know or have been around in my life, the conversation has, somebody has said something to the effect of, you shouldn't judge people. There's a lot of people in this world that will not go to church, will not offer uh, worship God, won't even consider salvation because they believe that the Christians are a bunch of judgmental people in the world. And what I'm reading here is, is that we are to look at people and see if there's love there. That is a judgment. To make judgment. Is this person, does this person have the Lord or not? I suggest we start at the mirror. Right? Look in the mirror. Does this person have the Lord? Is there love? What, do, what, do, what does the world see when this preacher comes out the front door and interacts with society? Do they see love? Do they experience love? Are they exposed to love? If I have the Lord, right, everybody who loves has been born of God, which is salvation, right? We, we are dead to our sin, we're dead to offenders of God, and we're born again into a new life, which is into the love of Christ, the love of God. That's, that's what salvation is all about. Whether you were a nice person before you got saved or not, when you received salvation and you repented of your sins, you confessed Christ, baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, Uh, which is love, by the way, you begin a new life in Christ or a new life in love. That's how come people, when they get saved, everybody's like, oh, that that person ain't the same as they used to be. Even the most cantankerous person, when they get saved, will be changed into the most loving person. Yeah? There's no such thing as grumpy Christians. 
There's no such thing as Christians who don't get along with other people all the time. I'm not saying we can't have disagreements or we don't have some kind of issues. We're people. We have emotions and thoughts, but we are not living lives that are disruptive to other people in our relationships with them because we don't love. Right? So this is solving the issue, I hope. The how do we go and make disciples? How do we go out? How do I follow the Spirit of God in my life? How do I know when the Spirit of God is leading me? How do I know? It's when, if, if what you're being led to do by the Spirit of God is an act of love, you can, you can be assured that it's from God. And, it want, and, and, and he wants you to do something with it, right? God, there's, you're never going to go wrong when you feel like, okay, let me love this person. I wonder if God wants me to love this person. Uh, the answer is yes. That's your answer. It's never no, God doesn't want you to love somebody. So just know that. It's, it's, it can be that easy. So everyone who loves, if you love, then you're born, you've been born of, born of God and you know God. It's not like, okay, you don't come in and say, I want to be a Christian, I believe, I'll repeat whatever it is you say, and I'll let you baptize me, and then I'll go on and call myself a Christian. It happens all the time, but that's not the way it is. What we're looking for is a lifetime afterward of this person loving people in ways that the Scripture would lead us to love people. Now it gets a little bit more difficult, doesn't it? Because just because we get saved doesn't mean it changes those who are hard to love, does it? Because <laughs> there's people and there's people and every one of us can think of a list of names of people that are in our own life, maybe even in our own family, that are just hard. You can't figure out how to love them the way God wants us to love them. And it doesn't always look the same, does it? Loving people. I found over the years, and I, th I thank the Lord he's taught me, uh, or, or at least has taught me how to learn how to be better and better at this as I grow older. But sometimes loving people for me just means not saying what I want to say to them. Right? Even if I'm justified or right in saying what I feel like saying, sometimes I'm better off if I just keep my mouth shut and smile at them. It's like, Because whatever it is I might want to say is not going to honor God. So I'm not loving God. And I wouldn't be loving that person because it wouldn't be something from God. You see? Sometimes, sometimes we, we're called to love people in certain ways that is uh, some kind of an act or some kind of a physical thing where we hug a person or we give something to someone or provide something for someone or do something for someone. Sometimes we just sit back and we pray. For someone there's nothing more powerful and more intimate than taking someone before our holy god there's no greater act of love that i can think of than to pray for somebody for somebody or with somebody whoever does not love does not know god all right <laughs> this is this is where it gets into the judgmental aspect of things it's sometimes it's quite clear that a person just doesn't love themselves or someone else, but yet they still claim that they know God or that they're a believer, that they're a Christian. And it's quite obvious to everybody, including non-believers, that they don't know God. What he's saying here is it's not possible for you to be close to God and be filled with his Holy Spirit and be an ugly person. 
Yeah, it brings our salvation into question. That's why I said we got to go to God and ask him to reveal to us, am I a person of love? Am I a person who lives this life filled with your spirit and overflowing, not only filling me with your love, but overflowing into those around me? Is that who I am or am I at least on my way? Because if the answer is no, then it's imperative that you find that out. Because your soul is in danger. That means you're not saved. If you don't have love. Right? I know y'all don't want to say amen to that because you, we don't like to judge people's salvation because it's offensive. But we're, we're, we're commanded to do that. We're commanded to go out and see who's saved and who's not saved so that we can preach the gospel and give them the opportunity if they're not saved. Hello? How do we, make, how do we know who's not saved? How do we know how to, how to share the love of God if we can't determine who's saved and who's not saved? And it's also hard because we also know somewhere deep in our mind or way back in the corner of our heart, we know that if this is all true, and we, and we know it is because it's right out of the word of God, right? That means there's people that we know of who are the ugliest of the ugly in this world that God wants us to go do something with. Wants us to get involved somehow in a way that we can love them too. It's easy, isn't it? It's easy to hang out with the church crowd. It's easy to go to work and hang out with those who are saved and be social with those who aren't saved and then go home, be surrounded by our believing family and say we're being disciple makers when we're not engaging in the lives of those who aren't saved somehow and for the sake of bringing love into their life. How are they going to get saved if they never even see or experience God's love? They're not going to go looking for it. I wasn't looking for it. I got sideswiped by God's love. That's how I got saved. I was happy doing my own thing. I was happy having my own life under control. I was having a good old time. And next thing I know, this group of believers in interfered in my life and loved me so much that I needed more of it and couldn't get enough of it. And somehow the switcheroo came around. Because because at the time, I was like, we don't hang out with these people. These are pretty cool people. They all love me. It was all about them loving me. Next thing I know, I'm face to face with Jesus himself in the word, in the presence of the believers. I couldn't, I couldn't deny it anymore. And suddenly I realized, like, oh, I'm not like these people. And I realized that I really wanted, that was the, that was the issue, is I wanted to be like those people and didn't even know it. And I found out to be like those people, I had to get with Jesus. I had to surrender to God. I had to, had to allow his love to replace whatever it is that was here. And then when you do enough Bible study over years and you compare who the nice guy that you think you are with the word of God and the love of God, it's, it's very discouraging at times because you're like, oh, I wasn't as great as I thought I was. I, I cared about people. I thought I loved people, but I just cared about people. I was a nice guy. But I didn't really love people, not the way Jesus does. Because Jesus showed us how to love people, meaning put ourselves last and put everybody else first. That's the kind of love that God is showing us, that's filling us. Right? It's not about me. It's not about you. 
and I figured, I figured out that if I go about the Lord's business, he'll be about my business. I don't have to care about myself more than I care about other people. If I just spend my time trying to love other people, God will love me. He'll fill me with himself. Right? So, verse 9, let's look at verse 9 here. This is, this, is, this is the gospel right here, y'all. This is how God showed us his love, right? This is what you already, if you're a believer, you already know this. This is just a reminder. I never get tired of saying it, and I never get tired of hearing it. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, right? Verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Say amen if you believe that Jesus existed before the creation of man, all of creation for that matter. John, John 1, 1 says that in the beginning with God, right? Jesus didn't start existing, the Savior, the Son of God. He didn't exist uh, on Christmas Day. That's just when he moved from being with the Father into this world. That's why it says, that's why he's teaching the gospel. He's like, look, here's how, here's how God showed his love. He sent Jesus into the world. Lessened himself to come into the flesh. Thinking of us first. And him second. There's no greater love than one who would sacrifice himself for his brothers. Amen? And he's saying, look, this is the gospel. Nobody, this is how God shows his love. And if we're trying to be like Christ, then we should do the things that Jesus does. That's why he says this is love. We don't, look, we, I'm not loving people in response to God loving me so much as I'm not just doing it out of obedience. Make sense? Because if you're doing that, you're going to have a, a frustrating time. Well, I've got to love this person because it shows that I'm a Christian. I'm trying to prove that I'm a Christian, so I've got to just be nice to folks. That's not the way it works. Understand that when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was shed, he died, he gave up his life. He was resurrected, went to be with the Father. And because we repent and confess that he's Christ and we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, we can receive the gift of his Holy Spirit. All one and the same. We're receiving his love. And his love continues to fill us. Continues to fill us. And it will overflow into the lives of those around us. If it's not overflowing out of you, if you find out in your prayer time that you're really not loving people the way God would have you love people, it's because you're not being filled the way he wants to fill you with himself because he is love. He's saying this is love. What Jesus did on the cross is love. That's our God. Isn't that amazing? I'm, I'm really trying hard to preach a sermon where you all go home excited like jumping across the parking lot. Because you're so excited. You're like, whoa, I'm so loved. I am full of God right now. I feel like I've been hammering on you for a little while, not on purpose, but I just feel that way. Maybe I'm not. God loves y'all. 
He's filling you with his love. And he's doing it for you, but not really for you. He's doing it so that you can go and fill someone else with that love. Expose somebody else with that love. That's why it's about me, but it's not about me. Jesus died on the cross for my salvation, for my forgiveness, but it's not about me. If any of the gospel ever becomes about me in my mind or in my heart, then I have, I've kicked myself out of the family. When we, when we can embrace this and live in this and just step into this and let it become who we are because it's who he is, then disciple-making becomes an easy thing. The only time it gets difficult is because we have minds and we have hearts and we have feelings, emotions. And when people come against that, when people try to destroy your love, when people try to take your joy, when they try to discourage your faith, it becomes difficult. Because people, that's us, in case you didn't know, people are in a, we're in a habit of reacting to our emotions. Instead of living by what we know about God. One of the worst things that can happen to me is for somebody to reject any kind of genuine effort to love them as a person. That, that bothers me to no end. I, can't, I don't know what to do with that. When I'm genuinely trying to love somebody in any kind of way and it just flat out reject it, I don't know how to handle that. The problem is, is that's the Christian life. Right? And the Lord, hopefully, is helping me learn that that's his problem, not my problem. Right? It's God's love. I don't get to be offended when it gets rejected because it's God's love. I just have to be careful that I'm not rejecting it because that doesn't not only offends God, but it should offend me because it sets me in opposition to his love. And woe to the ones who are in opposition to the love of God. See, we don't do things for God. That's not really love. We do things because of God. We love people because of God. What, what causes you to have compassion on the, the weak or the, or the hurting or the poor or, or the sick or the mourning? What causes that in your heart? I mean, it could be because you're a nice person and that you really care about people, but is it, is it really, is it should be more because the love of God is oozing out of you. And let me tell you something. If you really do have the love of God living within you and filling you, you're not going to be able to hold that back. You don't have that kind of strength. You don't have that kind of power or authority over God because God is love. You're trying to hold God back. I can imagine. I can. I mean, I can see it now. Somebody's got one of them, uh, one of them velvet ropes, and they're looking at God, saying, "Nope, you can't. I'm not letting you out." Put the velvet rope across there, and God's like, "Whatever." Here's what I found out over the years. Also, is if I choose not to participate in what God's love is doing in my life toward other people, God will have someone else go love those people with His love, and I'll just miss out. I'm the one hurting when that happens, when I stand in the way or choose not to participate or fail to live in his love. 
We're, we're, in, we're in his love because of what he did on the cross. The propitiation, right? The propitiation. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 says, To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's way too many people in the church and out of the church that are saying to themselves and to God and the church, well, whenever I can figure it all out, then I'll decide if I want to be a part of the church or not. Whenever I can understand, if I, if I can't understand it, I'm not going to accept it. Nobody can understand the mind of God. Nobody can understand the fullness of God, our Lord. Nobody can grasp the totality and the depth and the purity of God's love. We sing songs about that all the time, don't we? The endless supply of his love can never be exhausted. You ever felt overwhelmed by God's love in your life? You ever just sat back at, at a moment and just like, why does God love me this much? And just when you think you've had enough and you can't take any more, he loves you some, some more in some other way, and you're just so overwhelmed you can't stop crying about it. You can't ignore it. It, it happens in, in, in mountaintop experiences in your life it happens in uh everyday activities it, it certainly has happened in my life in the darkest hours every time i turn around he's loving on me every time right and it, it, young people tell me that every time they say every time i turn around this or that happens i just look at them and say well stop turning around then I dare not ever stop turning around because I don't want him to stop. I can't get enough, but I can't take any more. Does that make sense? I can't get enough of God's love in my life, but I can't, I can't handle anymore. It's so much I can't take anymore. I'm full. And when we, that's where God wants us to be because then we have this need to take the fullness and the overflow and push it into people's lives. And we begin to love people the way he wants us to love people. Because we're created in his image. We're supposed to be this way. That's what he intended for us to be. Since, since, God, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. The word ought is important. We ought to love one another. That tells me it's an option. Because God doesn't force us to do anything, does he? Because forced love is not genuine love. And God doesn't force his love on you. Because forced love is not genuine love. It's real love. It's the purest kind of love there is. And it's available. You just have to step into it. All right. Let's look at verse 12. This is kind of... No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is evangelism. This is making disciples 101. How do I know God is real? That's the question that the world has. I'm not going to believe in Jesus until I see it. They're, they're worse than Thomas was. 
Because they're saying, how do you believe in a God that won't show himself? And here, the, whole, the word of God, the holiness of the word of God, the truth is telling us no one has ever seen God. They've never laid their eyes on God. But if we love one another, if we have this love overflowing out of us into the lives of each other and those around us, it says God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. People see God by the way we love. That's what gets people's attention. Everybody in this world wants to be loved, whether they'll admit it or not. I've done a little bit of prison ministry early on, and I've been into some of the maximum security prisons where people are not coming out of there. And I've seen the toughest of the tough who've taken other people's lives because of the hate in their heart break down because they've been exposed to the love of God. Like literally break down crying like a baby because somebody just loved them. I suspect they didn't even know they needed to be loved. They had convinced themselves for so long that they don't need love. They don't need anybody else. I'll take care of self. Which led to a life of wickedness and evil deeds. And then a few people who they don't even know shows up in their darkest hour, and says, you know what? God loves you, and we love you. We're going to take some time, come in here and pray with you, teach you the Bible, sing some songs, and have a meal with you, and just hang out. And they melt like a Hershey bar on the windshield in July. They're not as hard as they think they are. You and I are not as tough as we think we are. We need to be loved. God knows that because he created us to, to need to be loved. Which tells me that we need God. Hello? John chapter 13 tells us that they'll know we're a Christian by the way that we love. When People don't care what you have to say or what, what the Bible says. They want to know how you love them or not. If you care about them or not. Then you have permission to share why you love them. And why God loves you. And how you're not any different than they are. You see? Nobody's going to come into this church building just because we want them to. Nobody's going to come and get saved just because we want them to. But I'll tell you what, if we spend time loving people with all our heart, soul, and mind, and all of our strength, the way God is showing us in this scripture to be filled with his love and let it overflow, I, 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 I know I know that people will come to Christ because of it, because that's the power of God's love. It cannot, you cannot fail if we do this, if we live this way. If there's two crucial reasons. One, because it's your salvation is, is, is involved here. If you're saved, this is the way that you live. There's no other option. There's no other way. You don't get saved and then go back in the cave that you live in and never come out again. You get saved and you go out into the world and you do the things that the Spirit of God teaches you to do and leads you to do, which is love people. Which is, be let, let His love exist in you. And the second thing is, is you're obedient to the command to go and make disciples. It's an, easy, it's an easy obedience, an easy form of obedience. You surrender yourself to Jesus, and then he fills you with his love, and then it's automatic. It's automatic. 
Verse 13 to 16. Mm. Get on the right notes. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his Holy Spirit, excuse me, his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone uh, acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God gives him, uh, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. It, it, it becomes our way of life. It becomes who we are. It's our witness. I think way too many times uh, the church, the body of Christ, the believers, we, we, get, we get so confused about how to make disciples. How do I be a better Christian? How do I, what kind of things do I need to do? What programs do I need to start? What kind of things, what, how is it it's so hard to make disciples? I'm trying to make disciples. But it's, it's really so easy as just surrendering to what Jesus has done on the cross and what God has done by fulfilling his promise from Genesis that he would make everything right. Right? And the answer to Jesus' prayer that we would be one with him like his with the Father comes through what happened on the cross and what happens at our salvation when we put our faith in Christ, when we accept the forgiveness, when we accept his lordship, when we accept uh, 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 the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, when we're allowing him to fill our hearts with his love. We are, it says, we are, we, are, we are as he is in the world. Verse 17. Right? Verse 17. We are, with him, we are, uh, we are as with he is in the world. I, wa- I want to read that slowly. In this way, what he just said previously, love is made complete among us. God is love. Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because uh, in this world, we are like him. How is it that love is made complete? That sounds like a statement of perfection to me. And we all would sit back and say, well, I'm not perfect and I'm not getting this love thing exactly right. Maybe I'm doing all right with it, but I'm not doing it the way exactly like Jesus done it. Right? And, and it's like, okay, well, how is this possible? Because remember when Jesus was teaching, he said, look, I didn't come here to eliminate the law. I came here to complete the law, to make good on the promise that the Father made in the beginning. And when we receive God's love, his grace and forgiveness, salvation, then the love is made complete because the reason for what has happened is fulfilled in your heart. It's not complete until you receive it. It's not complete. If if Jesus died on the cross, right, and you didn't have to respond at all to that, then that would be the end of it. Too Too many people in the world think that, well, Jesus died for everybody, you know, for God so loved the world, right? Then everybody must be saved. No. Only those who would believe. They, they forget the whosoever will believe part. Just because Jesus is the Messiah, just because the Bible is true, just because God is love and does love everybody, doesn't mean that automatically means you're saved. Because the question is, what are you going to do with that love? Because he's not going to force it on you. 
Because if he forced it on you, that's not your decision. You didn't choose him. And if you don't get to choose him, then you can't love him. You see, that's the reason why we were created with free will. Because God wants us to choose him. With our own free will. He wants us to love him. Because he loves us. Isn't that, isn't that great how that gets all put together? And he says we are in the world. Okay. Uh, we can, okay, he's, he's saying we are as he is in the world. As believers, we are carrying the love of God into the world. We're just like him in this way. Love is made complete in us. The, the promise was fulfilled in Christ. And because the same love is in us, we are carrying the gospel continuously into the world. And then it says on the day of judgment, because this world will... Uh, We'll have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Okay, so this is, this, is, this is great right here. This is awesome to me because this is where I can say with 100% certainty, I am saved by the blood of Christ. If I leave this world before I'm finished talking to you, I will be in the presence of God 100% confident in my heart. That, that's, that's, we can have 100% assurance of salvation. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people are like, well, I hope I'm saved. We can't really know. Oh, yeah, we can know. God made it clear that we can know this. And we can know this because we, we have the presence of the Spirit of God. We have the presence of God who is love filling us and overflowing our lives. And it's, and it's obvious to yourself and to everyone around you. Verse 18 says, there's no fear in love. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to leave this world. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me if I leave this world today or tomorrow or 50 years from now. I'm not afraid of God not forgiving me because his promise is that he will forgive me and has forgiven me. If I don't make it right today, I can repent. And I'm also not afraid that he doesn't love me. Isn't that a scary thought? For a person to live in this world thinking that God must love everybody else, but God doesn't really love me. That's one of the biggest lies from Satan I've ever heard. And it's affecting a lot of people. There's no fear. We don't have to fear the eternity. We don't have to fear anything if we're in, in, in his love. But look, perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love, meaning the genuineness of God's love, his existence, living in you and filling you and overflowing into, into your life, you don't have nothing to be afraid of. Fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with wrath. The only people that have to fear anything are the people that refuse Christ, refuse God. Look at God's love and say, eh, I don't want that. Never mind. Not for me. I'm out. That's a scary, that's a scary moment when someone does that. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Another bit of information that helps us understand who are saved and who are not saved. Self first and then others next for the purpose of helping others, not condemning others. We need to know who's saved and who's not so that we know how to interact with them so that they might have another opportunity to be saved. 
So it's important. All right, let me step here. Let me step here. Verses 19 and 21. We love because he first loved us. In other words, we, if since God is love, there's no way for us to receive him in our wickedness, because that's what sinfulness is. That's why Adam and Eve were kicked out of his presence, because they had, they had offended him, and they had wickedness in their heart, and it had to be fixed before his presence can come back to them. That's the sinner's dilemma. So, we love because he first loved us. Because Jesus went to the cross, now we are able to not only experience God in his love, but also uh, have it in our hearts and living out in us. And others, can, we can be a part of the kingdom of God in that way. If anyone says, look, here it comes, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Not a fibber, a liar. That's harsh, isn't it? That's straight up, call it what it is, kind of teaching right there. It's more than just calling somebody a liar. He's saying, if, you don't, if this is true about you, then you're not saved. You're not a believer. You're not a Christian. You're not a, you're not a brother or sister in Christ. You don't love God. doesn't matter what you say. It's tough, isn't it? Remember earlier I said there's a lot of ways to love people. And there's a lot of ways to deal with hard to love people. And there's a lot of things that people do to each other, including you, that makes it hard to be near them. And it causes a lot of dilemma in your heart and in your mind because you're full of this love and you want it to come out of you and you want it to be shared with even those who treat you poorly. But we have the Spirit of God to lead us in how to manage that, how to navigate those things. Because some people, I'm good at loving from a distance. Because if I get any closer to them, I'm going to stop. I'm going to have to stop loving them because of the way they treat me. So it can't be a cut and dry cookie cutter. I'm just going to hug everybody and be nice to everybody and do everything I do for everybody for everybody. No. Because I'm going to love the, the brothers and sisters in Christ a little bit different than I love the world as the Lord guides me. Right? Y'all get a benefit. <laughs> and that's the way it should be between the brothers and sisters, between the family. We, we, have, a, we have a lot more grace and patience. and We offer a, a lot more of God's love to one another because of who we are. And we offer the same love to the community, but it's got limits. Because you're not going to come in here and try to destroy and expect to stay in that love. Because that makes you an enemy of God. Then we get into these hard dilemmas of how do we love our enemies then? We're living in a world, I think we always have been, but it's really evident to us the, these days, where hate and strife seem to be the mainstream way of life. And we, we wake up every morning, and I say we loosely, as I'm saying we as a society, we're waking up every morning, and our sole purpose is to go out into the world and find something to hate someone else about and, 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 and be bitter about or complain about. 
because that's what everybody else is doing. And y'all know, y'all already know that God expects the church to be different. God expects the church to go into this world full of hate and love. It's hard, isn't it? I'm talking like fishing in a mud hole. You, you don't think you're going to catch anything, but God says put that bait in there anyway. Love those people anyway. Be different. Turn the world upside down because we are the ones who actually go into the world and actually love people. When it's not popular to love people. When it's not the easy thing to do. When I was growing up, it was easy to love people because everybody was loving me mostly except for a couple of kids I went to school with. We worked that out. Now, it's hard because society and everything that comes with it is teaching us to draw lines and take sides about every issue. And the church falls right in line with that. Because we believe these things, and these are our morals, and these are our values, and these are the things that the Word of God says. So here's where we stand, and everybody else is the enemy. And that's not love. Because when Jesus came into the world, everybody was the enemy. Every single person was the enemy when Jesus came into this world. And he came in here, and he started loving people. Even the Pharisees he was loving because he would stand up to them and he would speak truth into their face so that they might understand who he is. That's love. Even when he's on the cross, he says, Lord, these people don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them. As the church... If we're going to have God, who is love, living in our lives, living in our hearts, living in, in our souls, become who we are, then we have to go into the world and just love. No matter what. We just have to love. Look at the end of this verse, these verses that says, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their brother and sister. It seems like he's repeating, repeating himself over and over and over again. And it's almost like a riddle the first time you read it. It's like, what are you doing? What are you saying over and over? Why can't you just say it once? For one, because it's important. It's, it's like the most important thing. But right here at the end, he's like, this is a command, y'all. I've always had a hard time with this. Not always, but in, in the past, I've had a hard time with this. How does God command you to love people? Because that sounds like he's making me do it. Right? But if you look at all the rest of God's commands, they're not really hard to do, are they? Because if we have him in us, our desire is the same as his will. So therefore, it's not really needing to be a command, is it? It also helps me understand that loving people in this way is not really an emotion, is it? Because when we think of love, we think of an emotion. When I look at my wife, there's some emotions right there. She's beautiful. She's awesome. She's my wife. There's some emotions every time I look at her. 
right? When she looks at me, there's emotion, so we won't talk about those. This is not the same. It's not how we feel about someone or something. It's who we are, no matter what. You understand? That's the key. If we are Christians, we are loved. I love you, and the Lord does love you. We're going to stand together, and we're going to sing a song. If, you if you're not saved, then I don't know what you're waiting on. Come up here and say, I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. I want God's love. And you can repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's stand together and we'll sing.